It is 9.52 at night on January 23rd. It's a Saturday. At church tomorrow, I will be giving a sacrament talk. The topic assigned to me is the atonement. I've based this talk in a large part on my episode, which is right now a premium episode titled Nephi's Faith Transition. If you're a premium listener and you've already listened to that episode, I apologize. Some of this will be repetitive. But there's also parts of this that are very different. And so I hope that you will enjoy this episode. I simply wanted to record the sacrament talk that I'm going to give tomorrow and release it the night before I actually give that talk. People will will complain that I am not in enough, that I don't believe enough. But I do want to bear testimony that I do believe in Christ and I do believe in his atonement. And I hope that your testimony will be enriched by listening to this episode. May the Lord warm your shoulders. God bless you. And now, on to what you've been waiting to hear. Brothers and sisters, I'm grateful for the chance to talk to you today. Today I want to talk to you about trusting in the atonement of Jesus Christ. And I also want to speak to you about the power, the dual power, of the atonement. May I use Nephi as an example of the shift we each must make. And I pray for the Holy Ghost that it will be with us as we liken the scriptures unto ourselves. May I start in Ether 12, verse 27, And if men come unto me, I will show unto them their weakness. I give unto men weakness, that they may be humble. And my grace is sufficient for all men that humble themselves before me. For if they humble themselves before me and have faith in me, then will I make weak things become strong unto them. You see, it is Christ who gave us our weakness. He created us with this inherent weakness. Why? I think it's in part so that we will fail and turn ourselves to him. That as the natural man, we will try to rely upon ourselves. And in doing so, we will come up short. And in our humility, we will turn ourselves to Christ, who can, through his grace and his mercy, make our weaknesses become strengths. Let's see how this plays out in the life of Nephi. First Nephi, chapter 3, verse 7. I, Nephi, said unto my father, I will go and do the things which the Lord hath commanded. For I know that the Lord giveth... No commandments unto the children of men, save he shall prepare a way for them that they may accomplish the thing which he commandeth them. You see, Nephi is dead set that he is able to go and do. That he can accomplish every single thing set before him. He is certain in himself that he can keep God's commandments. And that he can go and do the things that the Lord hath commanded. I sense some pride on Nephi's part. He goes and does while his brothers only murmur. Nephi paints himself as perfectly good, as one who always goes and does, and his brothers as always the bad guys who murmur constantly. 
But look at our own lives. Are things that black and white? Look at First Nephi chapter 3 to take this out even another step. And it came to pass that as they smote us with a rod, behold, an angel of the Lord came and stood before them. And he spake unto them, saying, Why do you smite your younger brother with a rod? When Laman and Lemuel beat their brother Nephi and Sam, Nephi seemingly only remembers the angel speaking of his abuse at his brother's hand. First Nephi chapter 3, further along. It's time to go get the brass plates. And it came to pass that when he had gone up to the land of Jerusalem, I and my brethren did consult one with another. And we cast lots. Who of us should go into the house of Laban? And it came to pass that Lot fell upon Laman. And Laman went into the house of Laban, and he talked with him as he sat in his house. Notice that they consult as a group. They cast lots. But they have not even considered. They have not even thought to consult God on what to do. This plan fails. And Laman returns, and they regroup. So then comes plan B. But behold, I said unto them that as the Lord liveth and as we live, we will not go down unto our father in the wilderness until we have accomplished the thing which the Lord hath commanded us. Wherefore, let us be faithful in keeping the commandments of the Lord. Therefore, let us go down to the land of our father's inheritance. For behold, he left gold and silver and all manner of riches. And all this he hath done because of the commandments of the Lord. Nephi is still saying, look, God has given us something to do and darn it. I will, I will get this done. I will accomplish this. I, let's, let's be faithful in keeping the Lord's commandments. Let's go and do. Let's get this thing done. But again, Nephi seems aware that God can help them, but he never asked for it. Instead, he assumes the point is to hammer it out on his own, but he fails. Only on the third try does Nephi tell us, quote, and I was led by the Spirit not knowing beforehand the things which I should do. In other words, only now has he not decided his own plan or course and has sought the help of the Holy Ghost. And finally, he is led to take a course that allows him to get the brass plates. There are others. Consider First Nephi chapter 7 where his brothers are angry with him and they bind him. Listen for what Nephi prays for and what God actually does. Quote, But it came to pass that as I prayed unto the Lord, saying, O Lord, according to my faith which is in thee, wilt thou deliver me from the hands of my brethren? Yea, even give me strength that I may burst these bands with which I am bound. You see, he prays for the muscle, for the strength to burst the bands. But God, in his own foresight, I think recognized that Nephi was prone to being prideful. Now follow God's answer. It says, quote, And it came to pass that when I had said these words, behold, the bands were loosed from off my hands and my feet. You see, Nephi asked for one miracle that would make him look as if he had done something. And instead, the answer from God was another miracle that allowed the glory to be given to God. These may seem small in and of themselves, they may mean little, but these kinds of things add up. Finally, the last straw happens in a series of events that happen suddenly. Lehi, his father, is nearing the end of his life. He brings his family around and blesses them. 
We read of these blessings in 2 Nephi chapter 4, but something is missing. Nephi is the narrator. He is the one telling the story, and yet in his recounting his father's last hours and where he blesses the family, Nephi leaves out, says nothing, mentions zilch about his own blessing. Why? I don't personally know, and I'm only left guessing, but I feel deeply that something has occurred, and it has changed Nephi's heart. Then it happens. Father Lehi dies. Whatever has occurred, it has culminated with the death of his dad. Anyone who has lost a parent or a child knows the grief that follows. Times like these cause us to look deeply inward, to re-examine our own selves, and to open our hearts to making deeply difficult changes, which I believe Nephi does. For the first time in my reading of Nephi, he shows his human side. He shows us his humility. He shows us he has become humble. This is found in what scholars call the Psalm of Nephi. This is in 2 Nephi chapter 4. Listen as I read this and contrast this perspective of Nephi with the earlier perspective of I will go and do that we started off with. Quote, Nevertheless, notwithstanding the great goodness of the Lord and showing me his great and marvelous works, my heart exclaimeth, O wretched man that I am! Yea, my heart sorroweth because of my flesh. My soul grieveth because of mine iniquities. I am encompassed about because of the temptations and the sins which do so easily beset me. And when I desire to rejoice, my heart groaneth because of my sins. Nevertheless, I know in whom I have trusted. Nephi now fully acknowledges he can't always go and do. Instead, admits he often gives in to sin. Sins that so easily beset him. But the key is in the phrase, nevertheless, he knows in whom he has trusted. He has now, in his humility, turned himself to Christ. See, Nephi spent his life trying to go and do. Yes, certainly he believed in God. Yes, certainly he had faith. But he still tried to do these things on his own, and he failed. And in that failure, like the rest of us, He's he's had to turn himself to the Redeemer. This is the only valid path. The only valid path is to rely fully on Christ and in his atonement. We must let go of our prideful need to work out our own salvation and instead turn ourselves fully to Christ, relying wholly, W-H-O-L-L-Y. In other words, completely, relying wholly or completely upon his merits, trusting fully in his grace. Now, the second thing I want to hit on is the power of the atonement, the dual power of the atonement. You see, today we took the bread and the water. We were baptized by water and by fire. We are looking to his grace and mercy to cleanse and purify us so that we can be justified 
and sanctified. You see, the atonement has a dual power of mercy to forgive us or take away that which we don't deserve to have taken away. And grace, or to add to us that which we don't deserve to have added. You see, we need both. Now, some of us think that we can do what section 19 prescribes, where the Savior says, Therefore I command you to repent. Repent, lest I smite you by the rod of my mouth, and by my wrath, and by my anger, and your sufferings be sore, how sore you know not, how exquisite you know not, yea, how hard to bear you know not. For behold, I, God, have suffered these things for all, that they might not suffer if they would repent. But if they would not repent, they must suffer even as I, which suffering caused myself, even God, the greatest of all, to tremble because of pain, to bleed at every pore, to suffer both body and spirit, and would that I might not drink the bitter cup and shrink. You see, if we don't repent, regardless, we still need to stand before the judgment bar of God. And God has said no unclean thing can dwell with him. No unclean thing can be in his presence. So whether you live the gospel and repent and become clean through his mercy, or whether you choose not to, and hence must suffer even as Christ has suffered, you will become clean. You will be made clean. You will be prepared to stand before the judgment bar of God. But being clean, having your sins removed from you, will not change your heart. In other words, you must not only be justified, you must also be sanctified. D&C 88 verses 20 through 22 speak on this very idea. This idea that being justified is not enough. Quote, that bodies who are of the celestial kingdom may possess it forever and ever. For, for this intent was it made and created, and for this intent... Are they sanctified? And they who are not sanctified through the law. What law? The law of the gospel. Which I have given unto you even the law of Christ. Must inherit, must inherit another kingdom. Even that of a terrestrial kingdom or that of a telestial kingdom. For he that is, for he who is not able to abide the law of a celestial kingdom cannot abide a celestial glory. So how do we access Christ's grace and mercy? Well, we have to try. God does not base our salvation on our achievement, but rather on our continued willingness to try. In other words, we need to stop trying to check the boxes or to reach the bar. Rather, what God is calling us to do is to continually get up, dust ourselves off, roll up our shoulders, and try again. Many of us lose hope and give up when, like Nephi, we come face to face with our sinful nature and our inability to go and do. But hope and peace return when we humble ourselves, when we turn ourselves to Christ, to trust in Him fully, wholly relying upon His merits, mercy, and grace. In the sacred name of Jesus Christ, amen.